Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Show Me How Good It Gets. I'm your host, Malvika. people. Thank you for being here wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I'm so glad we get to spend the next 30-ish minutes together. Um, A little update on my end. First of all, Happy New Year. Second of all, I am a little sniffly, which sometimes when I get sick, I think I sound sexier and sometimes I just think I sound a lot more annoying. And right now I can feel that I have a lot of gunk in my sinuses and in my face and I think you can hear it when I'm speaking. And I hope it's not too bad because sometimes when other people are speaking, I think, oh man, they just have to blow their nose or they just have to clear their throat. And I hope it doesn't sound that bad, but that's where I'm at. Today, I want to talk about something which I've been debating whether or not to talk about for several months now because I posted a TikTok in late November, early December about the male loneliness epidemic and why young men are struggling and my two cents on it and it was not a very well received video i got a lot of comments and dms calling me a pick me telling me you know why is this our problem i have an audience of predominantly young women and like why is the labor the emotional the intellectual labor once again falling on us to pick up the pieces left of the patriarchy this thing that has already never served us, why are we having to deconstruct it? And I think that's such a valid argument, right? But I also think, let's just put on our critical thinking hats, our empathy goggles for one second, and I think we can have like a really nuanced, interesting conversation about this. I first started thinking about it because early last year there were so many articles everywhere online about the male loneliness epidemic and I said you know aren't we all lonely like in a post-covid isolated world where all of us spend far too much time on our screens isn't this something that's kind of plaguing all of us but I didn't think about it too much at the beginning and then I listened to a couple podcast episodes I don't know if you've heard of Scott Galloway but I heard him on three different episodes, which I will list in the description of this podcast. They're all pretty long. They're over an hour. And I listened to all three, and it rewired something in my brain. It made me think about our generation completely, completely differently. And of course, they're about young men in particular, but I'm arguing that if half of our generation is struggling with something, if half of our society is struggling with something... It's a problem for all of us. Because if women are struggling with something, I think that is a humanity problem, a global community problem. So why isn't it the same for men? So let's think about this. Again, I think this conversation needs room for a lot of nuance, but I believe that our community can do this, okay? So there's these three podcast episodes that I want to, I took notes on all three, that I want to kind of go through my notes, what each point makes me think about. But before that, 
I want to talk a little bit about my relationship with men in my life because I think that is really important additional context on where I come from, my opinion on this. I don't have any brothers. I'm an only child and I have a really, really good father figure. Uh, I have a really good relationship with my parents. So I think that is a, a starting point for this conversation when I'm having it. I will also say I went to an all-girls high school, so I didn't have very many close men in my life till about 18. When I went to college, I went to an all-four-years residential college where I lived with guys, and I think I got so lucky because I just lived with the best guys. I mean, to this day, they're some of my favorite people in the world, some of the best people I know. A lot of my girlfriends from different points in my life ask, like, how do you have close friendships with men? Because it usually ends poorly for so many women. And I think I've just gotten really lucky. I've met these guys who don't view me as a romantic pursuit or don't have some sort of ulterior motive or they they just, I think, love and respect me. And... It has really changed the way I view men. Before that, before I had any really close interpersonal relationships with men my age, I just heard mostly horror stories or like I was watching TV or I was hearing of friends of friends. I was hearing of guys who cheated on girls. Like I was just hearing about them. And I mean, a lot of my really close girlfriends have had horrible relationships with guys, horrible experiences with guys. And with all that said, I made friends with these people that I just, I love them so much and they're like my girlfriends to me. And I think of female friendship as the most sacred form of existence, so I'm not saying that lightly. And I think one thing that my platonic relationships with guys did is it actually really, really raised the bar for me. And, and let's talk about that, right? Because we say a lot like men are trash and I hate men and men are horrible partners and they're bad at this and they're bad at this. I mean, think of the phrase locker room talk, right? I think that is such a reductive conversation and it feels so old now. It feels so tired and it feels like, what is that doing? Who is that helping? Because it's not helping us. It just makes us more angry. And it's not helping them. And it's not helping society as a whole. If we kind of keep giving them this out of like, oh, boys will be boys, they just talk like that, they're just like that, then nothing really changes. And and nothing changes if nothing changes. So let's try to do it a little differently. Let's try to say, you know, women are given a set of struggles by living in this world. And so are men. And I'm not comparing the two because I think we know who comes out on top. But we, when we talk about women's struggles, we have finally gotten to a place of talking about them as society's struggles. And I don't think we've done the same with young men's struggles. And I think on a more individual basis, when I stopped saying, oh, men are just like that, God, men can't plan things, men aren't romantic, Men can't be kind, men can't be critical thinkers, men don't think like that. The second I stopped saying all that and I started saying, I'm looking for a guy who will do X, Y, Z in my romantic life. Or 
I make male friends with guys who are like XYZ. The second I started kind of reframing my thinking to guys can be really great. And there's a lot of bad ones and there's a lot of great ones. And I'm going to find the great ones to be in my life. The second I sort of reframed it like that, everything changed for me. I made really good friends. My dating life got better. I met really amazing men. And I think if women everywhere, if we all just raised the bar for what we expect out of men, I think the bar will be raised. And I I talked about this a lot a few years ago with, if you remember the internet rampage I was on of raising the bar for crazy. You know, girls would be like, oh my god, I'm so crazy. I asked him if he's sleeping with other women. And I was like, that's that's so normal, girl. <laughs> that is actually you protecting your health. And I said, like, let's raise the bar for crazy so we can all do normal things without being called crazy. And I'm saying this, I'm using that same argument with this now. I'm saying, what if we all say, like, we're not going to tolerate XYZ for men anymore. And instead, we are going to hold them to a new caliber. We're going to say, you know, I know men like this and I know men can be this good. And I will not tolerate, I will not accept anything less. And we approach that conversation with empathy. I just think we can get a lot of places with that attitude. And back to this whole conversation of like, I'm a pick me because I'm talking about the struggles young men face, da da da. Maybe TikTok wasn't the best platform for me to have that conversation. I have a podcast because I want to be able to have long-form, nuanced discussions on here. So I am changing the venue. I'm not going to make a 60-second video. I'm going to really dig into these three podcast episodes. It's over like five hours of content between experts that I think we can get a lot of value out of. All right, the first episode I want to start off with is the number one reason this generation is struggling with Scott Galloway on Diary of a CEO. And I will say that one of my goals in 2023 was to be able to listen to conversations, to be able to read articles where I didn't maybe fully agree with one thing, but to continue reading, to continue listening, to continue learning. Because in this age of like a for you page and news that is algorithmically designed to be of interest to you and of echo chambers and all of that, I felt like I was not learning about people's opinions or life experiences that were far different from my own. And I think that is the most detrimental thing we can do as a society for conversation, for curiosity, So in each of these three episodes, there are certain takes on masculinity or other things that I may not fully agree with or understand or fundamentally disagree with, but I kept listening. And as me recommending these episodes to you, I'm not endorsing every single thing said, but I'm more saying like there were so many nuggets of wisdom and you can learn so much about economics, about failure, about grit, about rejection from listening to these episodes. Okay, so this first one, I took notes, so I'm kind of reading from my notes, but he talks about this decline in grit among Gen Z, and I think that's so true. I think we're getting pretty bad at, like, surviving rejection, of getting rejection and then saying, you know what, no worries, 
I'm going to continue on. Like, this is a normal part of the process. Another thing he says is that, oh, and this stat is fascinating. He says, the decision to choose a supportive and compatible life partner is more crucial than career choices or living location. So that means that young people should actively pursue opportunities to meet potential partners. And you're probably listening thinking, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. I have a hinge profile set up. I'm swiping on that every time I'm on the toilet. Like you're thinking, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm actively pursuing an opportunity to meet a potential partner. What are what are you talking about? And then he goes into talking about dating apps, which is something I have thought about so much recently, or not even recently, in the past several years. I've never, ever, ever been a fan of them. It's not a way I've met people. I really don't enjoy the entire experience. Uh, like, I've, I've tried to set up a profile. It's felt really reductive, and I've stopped. And I've also helped my friends set up profiles. I have friends who've met the loves of their life on Hinge, on, I think, only on Hinge. But I don't fundamentally disagree with them because I think they're a great way for people to meet people they usually wouldn't but also there are so there's so much wrong with them and he kind of highlights how we're in like a late stage dating apps game and I totally agree I think it was probably a lot more helpful in like the late 20 maybe like 2018 to 2020 or even before COVID right like I think in a post-COVID world it's just It hasn't been that fruitful for people. But he says that online dating has led to the situation where, and as we know, a small percentage of highly attractive men dominate the attention of women, and this leaves the rest of the men frustrated. And he explains this with a lot of numbers and how this dating inequality it like matches the income inequality of Venezuela. Like it's it's really insane, but it also got me thinking about like the men who are captivating the attention on dating apps then have no no incentive to pursue long-term commitment because they are getting so much attention, right? And then the people who aren't getting any attention, they're getting increasingly frustrated. And imagine this, you have, you're isolated from COVID, you have no friends, and we'll dig into that in a minute, No one is swiping on you on dating apps, so you're just staying home, you're playing video games all the time, you're watching porn, you never go out because everything is so expensive, we'll dig into that in a minute too, you have no one to go out with because no friends, Um, then you're going home, you're playing more video games, you're watching more porn, one day you see a video online of some guy named Andrew Tate and he's like, oh yeah, this is not your fault, it's the woman's fault, but I mean, of course you'll buy into it eventually because that's your only form of community. It's the only person who makes you feel heard and listened to. And he, like Scott says, that by their mid-20s, these guys are just not viable emotionally and economically anymore because this is the cycle they've gone down. And if, if, men don't, if people don't have a lot to lose, you know, if their life already is only video games and staying home and porn and video games and staying home, then they are a lot more prone to nationalist content, to this like Andrew Tate, we hate women type of content, to incel behavior, and most of all to violence. And then this quote gave me chills. He says, what do the most dangerous countries in the world have in common? They have a preponderance of young, broke, and alone men. We are creating a pipeline to violence. 
And whew, that, it really struck something in me and it got me thinking about how people in power politically will not stop pandering to this growing cohort of broke, lonely, uneducated men. We've seen it before. They continue to pander. They continue to get the votes. It affects our policies. It affects everything. And I mean, on a very simple level, it affects our dating lives. It affects our friend groups. It affects our colleges. I mean, everything, right? So when we make the argument that like, I have no hand in this, like whatever, why should I help? It's because we, I hate to say it, but we live in a society. We live in this interconnected society. And on top of that, I don't know how to explain to people that I think empathy is important even when groups don't have empathy for us. And I think that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. And I'm not asking you to do it all the time, but go here with me for this podcast episode. I promise we can, we'll get somewhere together. The next episode. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed is called On the Crisis Facing Boys and Men, I believe, and this one is on Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. If you are looking for a woman to join into this conversation, this is the episode where there's also a woman at the table, and every time she chimes in, it's absolute gold. It's perfection. It's what I'm wanting to say, so I think this is probably the best starter episode, especially if you feel resentful or angry or this is unfair. Like, why am I thinking about this? You know, this isn't my fault. Why is it my problem? All right. My notes on this episode are so bad because I was working out when I was listening to it. So if I was in the middle of a rap or a set, I was just like, I'm going to remember what my note means. I'm not going to really delve into it. And then my notes are horrible. One of my bullet points is 10 girls in a house. And I, I'm struggling to remember what that meant. So that's my bad. Uh, I am bad at my job. Okay. Or my hobby. This is my hobby. Okay. Uh, he starts off this episode by kind of setting the scene on society. And this is what I love about all the episodes. They don't start right away with talking about just young men. They talk about what we're doing as a whole. And I think that's a really great way to draw people like me in and hopefully people like you. So, He talks about how acceptance rates to colleges are getting smaller and smaller. And we're like, oh, yeah, it's getting so hard to get into college now. And it's that's a scary, bad thing. Like he says that, you know, Yale or Harvard or all these schools that are like 4% acceptance rates. We're just skimming the really smart, really privileged people to keep growing in America. And it 
college used to not be like this. It used to be like, if you're smart and you work hard, you can go to a good college, you can get a good job. And it's not like that anymore. When, when it's so hard to escape living in poverty and things like that, the entire society, the entire, what we've built America on kind of collapses. I don't know why I'm saying what we built America on, but you, you know what I'm saying. He talks about how money keeps going from young people to old people via social security. I just, I learned so much in this episode that does not just have to do with this topic, which is why I think it's such a dense, important episode for young people to listen to. And then he talks about another thing that I won't shut up about, which is that we are social primates and yet we have created this modern life where we are increasingly alone and it's depressing i mean i can order phone i can order food through my phone i can uh listen to podcasts through my phone i can watch tiktok through my phone i can sit on my bed and do everything imaginable and there's no reason to interact with real actual people and when it's so easy to be on your phone and real human relationships are i I don't want to say so hard but they're more complex it becomes a it becomes an uphill battle um he says how we used to be community-based and i i think about how this decline in religion among our generation means it, it means a lot of things but one thing it means is a lot of young people that used to go to church or meet people that way that doesn't happen anymore and when we're talking about how online dating is really dark then we say okay where can people meet if, if people are working remote jobs, that kind of cancels out a way people used to meet, you know, at work. And so then where can people meet? We have this huge decline in third spaces. Everywhere you go, you kind of have to pay for something to hang out. I mean, imagine like coffee shops, bars, and everything is so expensive. Yesterday, I went out to get a coffee, $8. I said, no, thank you. You keep your coffee. I keep my $8 because that is insane, right? Like, every time we go anywhere, we have to spend an obscene amount of money. And where's that money coming from? It's so hard to get jobs. And I don't want to spiral, but it really goes to show that this, like, decline in third spaces also means a decline in being able to find relationships in, a, in an adult context. <clears throat> um, they talk a lot about why it's hard to have sympathy for men, Um, And I think this is, again, a really important segue for a lot of people to get into this conversation. And then they have some stats that made me, oh my god, it made me so sad. He says, like, one in seven men in America don't have a single friend. Oh my god. He says, the single predictor of longevity, like, long life, long healthy life, is friendship. Which, oh my god, that made me just so happy because... In a, in a very selfish context, I was like, oh my god, I love my friends. They're keeping me so alive and healthy. And then this study blew my mind. He says, loneliness has the equivalent effect on health as 17 cigarettes a day. And I debated whether or not I should say this in this episode because I know someone is thinking, okay, I have friends, so that means I can just smoke cigarettes. And that is not what I'm saying. But isn't that a crazy stat? But yeah, it's just like every stat he gives you, your mouth falls closer and closer to the floor because on every statistic, it's difficult to find a cohort that has fallen further, faster than young men. And I think a lot about 
even the men I know, the young guys I know, they don't really like curl up on the couch with their friends and like talk about their feelings. Or they do that with their girlfriends often, but if they don't have girlfriends, if they don't have sisters, they find it really difficult to do that with friends. And that just makes me so sad. Like, I don't think they've been given the tools and the verbiage that we have to talk about our feelings, to be vulnerable, to share. On the flip side, they have, like, hobbies. I think men have hobbies, women have friends. Whoa. Yeah, I think men have hobbies, women have friends. And I think in a lot of ways that works for them, right? Like, I'm thinking about how men at work, they'll, like, go golfing with their buddies or they'll go out drinking with their buddies. I don't know if there's any meat there, any substance. I don't know if they're really talking. Like, have you ever... Sometimes I'll ask my guy friend, I'm like, oh, you know, your best friend that you've known for 12 years, like him and his girlfriend broke up. Like, how's he been? He'll be like, oh, I didn't even know that. We didn't talk about that. We were playing video games. I'm like, what? You hung out for eight hours. And they're like, yeah, we were playing video games. (laughs) Like, it's just, they socialize completely differently. And in some ways it works for them, right? Like men are more likely to give other men, um, promotions at work to give them job opportunities and in the episode they talk about how we like women and men view traditionally male qualities as good leadership qualities like men and women both think a deeper voice means you're a better leader all this stuff but I was thinking about how in some ways I'm so not in some ways in a lot of ways I'm so jealous of men because they have this like kind of camaraderie at work that I really haven't felt with women that much. I think because of scarcity mindset, and maybe this is an entirely different podcast episode, but because of scarcity mindset, women can be a little catty. And like, and this me, I'm saying this as someone who loves women, but women can be pretty competitive. They can be pretty catty. And I think that's slowly changing as we're calling attention to it and more women are getting to have a seat at the table. Before, I think it was like, only one woman gets a seat at the table, so you're all clawing at each other for it. So maybe that's the difference. But I do imagine a world where, like, women who are working in, like, tech sales will take their client out to get their nails done, you know, instead of going to get, like, a $200 steak. And they're, like, talking about tech sales over getting their nails. I mean, that's, like, it's not a crazy thing to fantasize about, but I do. Okay, anyways, back to the episode. Um, oh my god, I just remembered the ten girls in a house. God, I have my back. Okay, they talk about this one, um, I don't think it was a study or it was like some experiment where they have ten girls, ten young girls and ten young boys. They teach them how to cook, how to clean, all this stuff, and then put them in a house for X amount of time. And... In the girls' house, like, they almost, and they're young girls, they assign, like, roles. One girl is a chef, one girl, like, cleans. They have, like, a chore chart, all this stuff. And in the boys' house, by the end of the week or whatever amount of days, they have, like, everything is a mess. Things are on fire. There's warring faction. Like, it's, they're, like, in a fight. It's horrible. And the girl on the episode, I think her name is Monica, she says, that makes me really resentful. Like, they can't even cook a meal and they're in charge of me. They're in charge of my body. And that just, like, made me giggle because, yeah, they are deemed the more hashtag, not hashtag, quote, competent members of society, but you hear that story and you think, where's the competence in that story? Anyways, 
Um, I want to tread carefully here, but something that happens because I have followers online is that women will write to me about things they're struggling with, things they want advice on, and people have been really struggling with dating lately. And I think I can say that because I am almost subconsciously doing anthropological research every time I open my DMs. I see women talking to me about their problems, their successes, and a lot of people are like, it's really hard to find good guys. Like, there are good girls everywhere where are the good guys. And again, I struggle with this because I want to be like, no, there's so many out there, we just have to be patient and we'll find them. But these episodes actually talk about how they use a metaphor, right? But they say, like, imagine women date taller. This is kind of a bad metaphor because women traditionally do date taller, but imagine women date up. Let's use that. Women date up and men date down and rarely across. But women are getting taller and taller. So what this means is, like, in every vertical, women probably won't, if they are college-educated, they probably won't marry or long-term date someone who's not college-educated. But the other is not necessarily true. Like, men, if they are if they have, like, a PhD, they're fine being with someone who is does not have a PhD. And so women are getting taller and taller if they're outperforming men in every vertical, in the labor market, too, now, in urban areas, how much they're making, and all of this, and they're looking for someone who's better, and maybe if they're settling equal, then there, of course there's going to be a lack of quote-unquote eligible men. And then we layer on top of that that women are finally, like, we have disposable income, we can have casual sex, we have contraception, we have all of this. It's like, okay, then why would I settle down? You know, I'm loving being single. Why would I settle down if the partner is not adding to my life? If they are not in certain verticals better than me or adding something? And I think that's totally fair. Like, women can go on all these girls' trips and have fun. And so this is leaving men, again, lonely. So this cycle continues. The last episode. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What I want to talk about is, again, on Diary of a CEO with Scott Galloway, and I think this one is called This is an Emergency, and there's something about, in the title, about men having less sex, which I think is a really horrible title for the episode, if I'm going to be honest, because I learned so much, like, 
about economics in this episode and about the world as a whole. And I really hate that they've kind of pigeonholed it into, oh my god, young men aren't having sex anymore, which I know what they were trying to do. I do think that points at a larger problem, but I think it it makes a lot of people not want to click on the episode, I'll be honest. Anyways, I'll link all three of these episodes in the show notes because I do think they're all fantastic in their own right. Um, But this one has a lot of solutions. So I thought we could go through some of that together. I wanted to end on this because solutions, you know, hopeful. All right. He says that men should focus on finding a profession with a high employment rate. They should persevere. They should overcome challenges. They should live below their means. Oh, he has this like amazing spiel on how people don't live below their means anymore. I thought that was really good. Save money and let your capital work for you. He talks about the importance of investing, um, ETFs and index funds for diversification. Uh, He says to start early and let investments grow over time. And he has like a lot of these little tips on financial success that I think we can all get a lot from. He talks about how important it is for young men to have male role models. And I thought this was like a really nice point because I I think that's such an actionable item we can do. I think we can bring back this concept of mentorship and role models that I think has kind of dwindled outside of career context in the last decade. He talks about our innate human desire for status and recognition, why that's not a bad thing and how we can actually use that to our favor. He talks about redistributing wealth, which I have not learned a lot about, but from my understanding, he talks about how if we increase the minimum wage, we can address a lot of societal issues, it can stimulate the economy, and eventually create this more equitable society. So if you're interested in that at all, he talks a lot about that. He talks a lot about masculinity, which, again, maybe it's one of those things that I just don't have a good grasp on. I don't know if I really fully bought into and he briefly mentions third spaces, but I, I think that is one of the biggest ways we can improve things. Um, I think if we promote in-person interactions, which are vital for young people, then people can really start developing meaningful connections again. I know remote work has been really great for people, but I think we've lost a lot of water cooler talk, a lot of in-person interactions. He talks about AI for a little bit, which I don't know if this episode was the right place for that. Um, And one thing, I don't, okay, this I don't remember which episode it's in, but I loved this point. The two, oh no, this was on Armchair Expert, that's my bad. The two guys are talking about their lives towards the end of the episode and how time is going so fast. And they say something really nice, which is how the beginning, the first 30 years of their life, they're looking to get rich, they're looking to make it, they're go, 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 and then they reach their 40s, their 50s, and they're like, oh my god, stop time, like, I just want to spend time with my family and my kids, and I want to soak it all up, and they're talking about how to slow down time, which time just moves faster and faster as we get older, because we have fewer new experiences. I mean, when you're one years old, every almost everything you do is like new. The first time you see something, hear something, first time you walk a different playground, it's all so stimulating. 
And so they say in your 30s, 40s, and 50s to slow down time, you should just prioritize new experiences. So go and live in a different place, travel, make new friends, do things outside of your comfort zone, break your routine, um, go to the family reunion that is going to be kind of annoying and you're going to have to have some imperfect interactions. Do those things because they will slow down time, which I thought was a really great note for that episode to end on. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about my own takeaways and what I think I personally can do, maybe some of you can do. I think we need to prioritize human relationships, even when they are complex and not ideal and not perfect and maybe a little hard and maybe involve some tough conversations because real things are hard. It's so easy to lay on your couch and scroll. It's so much harder to have a tough conversation with someone or make small talk with a neighbor, but it's that's important. That's what it means to be human. Again, slow down time, change things up. And I, I thought about the guys in my life that I know. I thought about how some of us are just friends, some of us are sisters, maybe some of us will be mothers one day. And I don't want to put the onus on us again, on women again, to do the labor. But how special it is, how special is it that we are, some of us like to be caretakers. Like I, I like that about myself and we can view it as a weakness and we can view it as a superpower. And I, on my list, I have view caretaking as a superpower, um, which I know may not be received with the most excitement, but this is not mutually exclusive from being a really ambitious person or, or wanting other things for myself, you know? I think more community, more third spaces, more friend groups, I think all of that can do a lot. And lastly on my list, I have empathy. Um, empathy and compassion. I think it goes a long way. And it's why I won't be saying I hate men anymore. And that's a wrap. Thank you guys for hanging out with me and listening to this week's episode. If you want more, follow at Show Me How Good It Gets podcast. I read all the DMs I get on there. And then my personal Instagram account is at MalvikaBot and my TikTok is at MalTalks. If you're listening on Spotify, please leave us a rating, preferably a five-star rating. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I hope you can write us a fun little review and write us there as well. Once again, thank you guys for hanging out. See you next week. Bye-bye. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube